Well, hello, everybody. Um, We're back for another uh, weekly podcast. This is the flagship show where me and Mike, we get together, you know, through the power of the Internet and talk Rangers hockey. But before we start, uh, Mike, I really random question. Uh, and once I ha- once I have your answer, you know, it'll it'll lead into what I'm trying to do. Where do you podcast from? Like, obviously you're you're dwelling but like do you have a specific room or is it you know wherever you feel like it from my bedroom i've been lazy a couple times and podcasted from bed when i was it was one of those days where i just uh i was dead inside today i'm back at my desk though (laughs) like an adult um because i actually spent i work from home so i spent a ton of the day uh, working from my couch, like way too much of the day, started sitting up working in bed, and I was like, this is not healthy. Because apparently when you work from home, like the number one rule is to designate a healthy work environment for yourself, and that means like not working from bed, which I uh, I do a lot. But yeah, I, I've I, also I read from that, my room. that they like should put pants on because it's this sort of psychological thing of, you know, getting somewhat dressed um, where it yeah, sort of helps. That. Well, yeah, I mean, but the only reason I brought that up is I'm actually podcasting from my room uh, this week because my brother is home from school for the Thanksgiving break. Um, basically, my brother's room is generally very clean because he's not living there and I just sort of throw all my shit on his desk. But yeah, I actually had to clean off my desk, which had a ton of crap on it. And uh, yeah, so this is probably where I'll be doing it from now on because I took the time to you know, dust things off and clean it up as See, best as I could. you strike me as a tidy person, Tom. Perhaps oh. it's, the, it's the bespectacled look. It's the glasses. Yeah, like, it's, I like to call it controlled chaos, where my mom will be like, you know, can you find anything in there? And it's like, I know where all the important things are. Um, you know, what you look at is, you know, piles of, you know, nonsense. You know, I know, all right, that's there, that's there. Um but enough of that, you know. That's the beauty of having your own place. Like I, I live with my one of my brothers, and I, I very much embrace controlled chaos. Although I've been told by friends and my significant other that my room is like a, a like a college dorm room. I've like, apparently I don't understand like that you need matching sheets and uh, <laughs> and like the only decorations on my wall are you know like hockey related and uh, yeah. I don't know. I, f- I felt I feel attacked by by people who, you know what, Tom? I just it's my nest. Like it's not gonna be. You perfect. live there. It's yeah. your space. Works you know, for you me. Goddamn it. Yeah. Exactly. With that said, uh, I think it's time that we can get into some ranger-related things, of which there are several. Um, I would say that the best way to start, as we record this on a Tuesday, since the Rangers played on Monday is the news that uh, Mika Zibanejad is going to be back, knock on wood, and, you know, barring any uh, last-minute, you know, uh, setbacks, he's going to play against the Carolina Hurricanes. On. I hope he's back for the right reasons. I mean, yes. that's after the comment we saw from Colin Stevenson um, on Twitter, um, and he Colin has become one of my favorite beats, if not my favorite, actually. Uh, you know, he's just very straightforward. He does a great great work in my opinion and uh you know he seems to just get direct answers without you know muddling uh getting into any hot water uh in any way with you know with this like i guess i don't know i I always hesitate to call us the blogger community because 
I just hate that, but yeah, I, mean, I write for a blog and that's, that's fine. But uh, the co of course, Mika said, you can correct me if I'm wrong, Tom, but like the, the, the gist of it was you guys can guess what's going on. It's an upper body injury, you know, my history kind of a thing. Um, at first we thought it was, you know, like a neck related thing. Of course, he was injured by uh, Patrice Bergeron uh, in one of those kind of reverse hits, right, where Zabinajad went to deliver the hit and then uh, Bergeron kind of reversed it by, you know, propelling his force up into Zib and we ended up with the most valuable center and I don't know, I mean, you you could make the case because of this team's center depth, Tom, that he's the most valuable player on the team. I mean, I think the best player on the team is Panarin, but in terms of the guy that is exceedingly hard to replace, it might be Mika Zibanejad. And having I would agree with, with that. Yeah, not having him uh, has, you know, obviously we, we all know what happened with Leah Sanderson. We all know, you know, how Ryan Strom has really flourished in terms of the box score, um, you know, and stepping into, you know, a bigger role. And, you know, his... Him's coming back to the lineup. Like I said, I really hope it's for the right reasons. I hope he's not being rushed. Of course, we can never know those things. I hope, you know, uh, it's one of those things where it goes without saying that we want him to be back when he's healthy and when he feels ready. Um, and I, I, I hope and, you know, I'm sure that that's what the Rangers want to do as well, especially in a season like this where there's just no reason to rush a guy like him back into the lineup when you're a team that, you know, has a better chance of getting a lottery pick than a than finishing in a wild card spot, in my opinion. But Mika's back, Tom, and that means we're going to have a lineup shuffle. Yes, exactly. And I, I agree with you 100% for coming back for all of the right reasons. And I think the one thing that we can sort of look at is that he had been practicing slash skating with the team for, you know, some time, but he, the coaching staff wanted him to go through one full practice before saying he was game ready. And apparently there's going to be no limits on his usage versus the Hurricanes. So, but still, I'm going to be, you know, sort of monitoring how much ice time he's getting. Definitely, um, especially because before he was knocked out in that Bruins game, it was Mika and Panarin were clocking like 24, 25 minutes a night. I mean, Zibanejad was getting more ice time than Truba. And uh, that was something where, like, obviously everyone remembers the crazy start the Rangers had to the season, and also specifically Zibanejad's crazy start. And, you know, uh, in my head, Tom, I remember developing, like, oh, is this the storyline this year that Quinn is just going to ride this top line to the, into the ground? And then, of course, Zibanejad got hurt, and, you know, all those plans were laid to waste, if they even were plans in the first place. And now, you know, you have Mika back and you have, you know, I, I sh should mention, uh, this wasn't in our notes for the show, but it feels like, uh, I know in, in a recent 31 Thoughts, there was a little bit more, uh, Elliot Friedman, you know, put a little, you know, a little more heat on, you know, the Kreider rumors and, yep. and what's going to happen there, which is, of course, it's this ongoing thing. We don't want to talk about it every week because... You know, just like we don't always want to be, you know, talk about Ryan Strom shooting percentage or do any of those things, but or negative Nellies or yeah, anything like that. But yeah, that's but not us at all. It's a big, uh, it, it's a big deal that Zavanna Jad's back because it it'll it's gonna tip don dominoes in terms of who ends up where, on what lines, and you know, up until recently, uh, you know, Gettinger had a you know a little Tim Gettinger had a you know I think it was a two game cup of coffee. And he got sent back down. He actually picked up an assist against Ottawa. 
And then Bunievas uh, has been in the lineup, although in the first period against Minnesota, he took a penalty, which I was just like, Boo, yeah, come on, buddy. It's, yeah, exactly. Come on, buddy. You just got back. Like, come on. Uh, in my head, like, I don't mean to be, you know, hyperbolic, but in my head, I was like, and that's it. He'll never do it. Like, the the closing window of his opportunity to, to stick around in New York, I was like, that that might be it. It's just because yeah. of the way Quinn has a, you know, a very, very high account. Like, he calls for accountability with penalties. Quinn bin. Yeah. And I was like, oh, God, boo. Especially because I don't know if... I know that he, I think he's he's going to be 26 in January, and then he'll still be an RFA uh, from Cat, according to Cat Friendly. And I think, I forget how many games, what it is, if he has to go through waivers if we send him back down, because I know obviously he was he had to go through at the beginning of the year. I don't remember off the top of my head, but it's so you know there's the boo situation, and uh, you know with being on the fourth line, and you know Brendan Smith is still there, uh, and you know there is a story written about him and his transition and you know there's a lot of i don't know this might just be the lineup show tom it seems like we have a lot of lineup crap to talk about yeah and it's going to be an interesting thing um with mika back the top line for tomorrow confirmed is the kzb line you know back upon you know request um and it leaves sort of some uncertainty for the rest of the lineup what we do know is that ryan strom and Artemi Panarin will remain together. We don't know who the, um, you know, the third amigo will be on that line. Um, you know, Quinn was joking around that he, you know, doesn't want to give Carolina everything. Um, and we also know that Heedle will also be at center, as will Howden. So it is quite possible that we see Philip Heedle as a third-line center and Howden as the fourth-line center. Um, and I, I would think in this configuration that would mean that uh boo is the one who's the odd man out with mika coming back but i think um it's going to be interesting and i i think this all sort of builds upon what you mentioned about um Kreider's name coming up because this gives us an opportunity to see some different combinations something we've been deprived of with uh zibanejad out of the lineup and it'll also be interesting if Strom is detached from Panarin um, at some point in the future, what that impact is. And the last thing is also where where does Kako fit in? Because he had been on um, a pretty good run. He was playing with some confidence. Um, he was starting and, to pick up points. He had yeah. his first multi-point game, his first uh, two-goal game, even though I think he was out with the, what was it the flu that held him out for a couple of games there yeah and and that was a shame because it was like oh fucking finally like feels like he's really settling in i thought especially on the power play and even though in my opinion he seems to be a bit uh you can tell he doesn't want to be the trigger man necessarily in the power play which is a shame because you know the the, the amount of passing like skill that the, the rangers lineup has like even ryan strom on the power play is a fantastic passer in my opinion like i just from the eye test he's one of those guys like ryan strom has had like half a dozen gorgeous passes um this season that have directly led to goals including you know he assisted on kako's first goal and uh i also think his second goal as well because i remember doing rangers radar and mentioning that but yeah it's where everyone's gonna fit is is big and of course you know the spotlight is going to fall on capo kako 
and Filipedal because those, you know, frankly speaking, are the guys that are, you know, the most important guys who are not established in, you know, a guy like Panarin who we know is going to be a fixture here, is Benajad's going to be a fixture, but those are the guys we need to keep cooking. They need to continue to develop. They need the ice time. And I really hope, you know, they don't have a diminished role. And, you know, it's going to be, I don't know, Tom, I, I look at, I look at the lineup and I, I, uh, I know where, you know, there's the shortcomings are with this team. And the good thing about this team thus far has been that when they're playing well, they're very fun to watch. Uh, and that's like, you know, even like some of the viz we've seen of, you know, especially early in the year, like, you know, they're just, the Rangers are fun and crazy at times, but the, yeah, it's, it's, I think Quinn was saying, um, I forget after which game, I think it was the, Mon yeah, it was the Montreal game actually, uh, which was an amazing game, which we could really do a whole show about where like the team's like, all right, what a fucking comeback. And also Brendan the Mew, holy crap. But the, he, he said like, you know, we're either really good or really bad. There's no in between. Which I think was a, you know, it was a, it was a joke to the, you know, to the, the beat writers interviewing him. But I do, I did find that an encouraging statement for him to make because it spoke of, you know, it was very frank about the way the team has been this season. And it's been a roller coaster, right? Like, and, you know, it's even, you know, right now there's just kind of a twist in that roller coaster with Zipanajad coming back and how that might change things. But it's been a... I think it'll just continue to be a roller coaster because even when the Rangers are like are fun and they're scoring goals and you know they're playing great, there's so much inconsistency, especially on defense. And then when things are bad, it's every little mistake snowballs and turns into a breakaway or a three-on-one or you know a, maybe a soft goal every once in a while. And I you know I think it's important to note there has been a lot of soft goals. It even you know in a six-to-five game I. I can't hang any of the team's shortcomings on goaltending still. Both Georgiev and Hank have exceeded my expectations this year, which is saying a lot, especially because Igor is still killing it in Hartford. I think that's a great point to bring up um, and, and sort of where I wanted to transition um, in the sense of the Montreal game is, I think it's important to talk about from the context of, yes, they won that game, but it was probably a game that, they didn't deserve to win. Um, you know, I think both. that's fair. <laughs> yeah. Like, it's, yeah, it's, I forget who had the comment about it. It's, it's what it would be like watching this Rangers team. If they weren't in a position where they had to come from behind to um, overcome the deficiencies of their, their defense. Um, I, I think you can look at that game as one where they played with some passion. Obviously, you brought up Brendan Lemieux. He's playing in Montreal. His dad's in the crowd. You know, he's a you know all-time great Montreal Canadian. Um, obviously, the uh, personal rivalry with Max Domi, and you had all of these different things sort of just come together, and the Rangers erase a 4-0 hole, but. Everyone will look at that as, wow, they won 6-5. Can you sort of um, believe that this happened? But I think what we should be looking at is how it became a 4 nothing game. Yeah, uh, especially it was – I mean, you bring up Domi. Domi had two goals in that first period, and he came into that game ice cold. And, 
you know, Montreal is right now they're third in the Atlantic. Uh, you know, they think right now, look quickly looking at the standings, they have an 11, seven and five record. Uh, you know, so they're, you know, right now they're projected to be a playoff team, which isn't much of a shock. Uh, I think the more surprising thing is looking at the standings, Tom, is the Rangers are six, three and one in their last 10. Like, hey, that just doesn't feel like it's the case, <laughs> but uh, that's, you know, that's what it's been like. It's been, they've been the, the cardiac kids that are, you know, either show up or they don't show up. And when they're on top of their game, they're so fun to watch. And I, those games are fun to watch both as a fan and, you know, you know, covering the game and taking notes. And, you know, it's like, you know what, at least we're not boring. The problem is when you're bad and boring at the same time, which is what this team, you know, is fully capable of being at times is when things get rough. And, you know, I'm hoping I'm hoping we see that get ironed out as the season progresses. You said something about this team being fun to watch. Um, but before I expand upon that, I would just sort of... In a know, horrific sort of way, right? Well, <laughs> like, yeah. In, in a like little bit. when they lost to Ottawa 4-1, to that wasn't fun to watch. Like, I mean, that game got erased, uh, you know, erased by the unbelievable comeback against Montreal. And, you know, the game before that, of course, you know... the which is the other game that happened uh, before the last, after the last time we spoke was the Rangers beating Washington four to one, which had a lot of, I think a lot of people looking around like, well, what the hell happened there? Like, where did this team come from? And then the very next game, they get their asses handed to them by an Ottawa team that, you know, it's in the bottom three teams in the league very comfortably. And, you know, getting beat that bad by, Ottawa and uh, Pajot, who just continues to be the great, he might be the greatest current, like modern, still in the league Ranger killer is, is Pajot. It's unbelievable how often he kicks the Rangers. Like he's just primary points against the Rangers all day. Um, but it just, it's, it's either really bad or really good. But even when it's good, Tom, it's at least it's fun, but it's like they, like, I think you said it before, they overcome their defensive woes and that's the thing that i i don't know it just like it, it is getting to the point now where you know we're entering late november it's almost thanksgiving um happy thanksgiving everyone by the way and uh the thing that i come away with is i'm starting to think yeah they really should have you really should have added just you know not necessarily you know friedrich clayson but another guy like that um especially in lieu of michael haley uh but well, I don't yeah. know if the plan moving forward was, hey, we have Brendan Smith and we're aware that we're going to play him as a forward because I don't know if that was always Quinn's intention because the the thing that is so fascinating to me is we haven't seen, except for on the penalty kill, really, we haven't seen Brendan Smith back on the blue line. And so that has been, a, that has been something that has kind of mystified me is why, you know, it there's been maybe so much patience and so much leash for Libor Hayek and especially in terms of where he is in that first pair and you know frankly you know Adam Fox has exceeded everyone's expectations and that's been amazing and Tony D'Angelo has come out of the gate like a goddamn lunatic after the holdout he's been absolutely ridiculous Tom do you know that Tony D'Angelo Anthony D'Angelo her son big twitter guy Big, big on the Twitter. Apparently, uh, he had something to say about analytics and specifically someone who mentioned that the Rangers would be wise to uh, to sell high on uh, Ryan Strom because of the shooting percentage and 
the fact that they're a rebuilding team and Tony D'Angelo weighed in that, you know, you need to watch the games. And, uh, you know, I don't think anyone could be a fan or be an analyst or, or have any interest in analytics if they didn't also watch the games, but that's neither here nor there. What that's I was going to say... That's my big secret, by the way. Like, I, I, I just sim NHL 20 games, and I pretend that those are the actual games. So if you ever see a story where, like, Alex Ovechkin is a ranger, that that's why. Yeah, you made a trade, sure. But the, the thing I was going to say is, did you know that Tony D'Angelo was third in the league, or I should say tied for third in the league on, on goals for defensemen? Yeah, he's damn good, and it's... He has seven goals in 22 games, Tom. Yeah, I mean this. John level... Carlson, Dougie Hamilton, only guys who have more. Sorry. Yeah, and those are two good names uh, to be chasing uh, if you're Tony D'Angelo, and it's, uh, it, it, you know, it's I'm between a rock and a hard place with D'Angelo, and it, it's what sort of makes this even harder is how good Fox has been, and that's really a good problem to have because if you were the Rangers. Definitely. Yeah, like if you were the Rangers and you were dealing with um, Tony D'Angelo, right, um, and Fox was struggling, they would have more of a reason to want to keep D'Angelo around, and they would, you know, from a from an organizational perspective. But now, with Fox playing as well as he has, there's not that urgency, and again. Um, I forget what the example was, um, but like I think it was more of a more of a basketball reference where it's like you when you, you in basketball you you know the ball's obviously going to be in someone's hand more often than not. Where like you're the ranger, you're you're going to have a hard time sharing the puck um, on defense if you have Truba, Fox, and D'Angelo. Now, no one's saying that you can't have three good pairs with. Um, you know, people that can be offensively minded, but it comes down to cost. And and like you brought up um, with, you know, the fact that they it would have been beneficial to have like a Frederick Clayson. It's all good and well on the right, but really they got to focus on the left. I mean, that that's not doing all that great. Yeah, I it's been uh, there's a lot to say. Uh, about this defense and the pairings is you know as as you're saying there like eh, i'm very very interested in in why uh you know the pairs have been what they've been now uh, you know especially lately i and like you're saying the with the it's a good problem to have d'angelo's play like at some point i think if, if it isn't happening already in the front office they do have to kind of talk about all right well are we going to sign this guy like, because if not, it's going to arbitration. It's going to be rough. Like, Which would be good for him I, because his play has been off the charts. Yeah, which would be great for D'Angelo, but not necessarily great for the Rangers. The, oh, the no. thing, yeah, The thing that stands out to me the most really is the, you know, it was already rocky when he didn't have those arbitration rights. Like, he dealt from a position of no strength, and he was ready to go to war. <laughs> you know what I mean? And so now that he's in this spot i don't know um like if this even if he tails off a little bit but having this this much of a start like the way he started and you know considering he didn't start the season on power play one and all these other things like it's been i mean it's it's been pretty special 
uh, this season for Tony D'Angelo. He has, you know, he's fourth on the team in points. He had it's 30 not... points all of last year, and he already has 17. Yeah, and it's not, you know, it's Jacob Truba. Uh, we should mention, I was very relieved when Truba got a couple lucky bounces, actually. It was in my notes for today's show. Is you know, Truba very quietly, I think, and I don't think much was said about it by uh, members of the media or, you know, obviously, you know, like MSG broadcast, but Truba was, had gone a long time, really, without, you know, making a big impact offensively. Like, remember his first first couple games, it was, holy shit, look at this guy shot. Like, no wonder he had 50 points. And then, you know, from a guy like in Winnipeg, who we only saw a handful of times each year, and now, you know, he's obviously not had, I think, the the first 20 games he wanted as a Ranger in terms of where, where his stat line is. And uh, that does definitely tie into what we're talking about, these defensive pairings, because, um, you know, as everyone knows, it's largely been Truba with uh, Libor Hayek. Well, one thing with Truba, and it's sort of interesting, um, he's actually on pace to score more goals than he did last year. He's got three through 22. He had eight and 82 last year. So he's on pace for 10 goals. Um, so at least in that department, he's um, where he should be. But I, I think we'd all agree for a guy that had 50 points last year, um, Although, I mean, I guess not more that I look at it. He's got 10 points through 22 games. I would say, and you would probably agree, it's that he had that really awesome start. And then it was sort of like middling um, where they're sort of just looking for more overall consistency. But again, that goes to he's played with Lieber Hayek. And now people might say, well, this is a guy you paid, you know, a good chunk of change he should be able to overcome that um but then again we've not had a chance to see him with someone else with real frequency to um you know make that assumption with uh with, with this team yeah there's yeah the lieber hayek situation this season has been fascinating because you know we i i can't help but do this i know they're different positions they're guys with different amount of pressures on them but you know, I think about opportunity and what was, like, how we heard, you know, you have to earn the ice time, uh, Leah Sanderson, right? That's what we heard, and, you know, he has to earn it with his play and all that. And, you know, did Lieber Hayek necessarily come out of the gate in preseason with, like, you know, was he unbelievable? Did he did he play himself onto the top pair out of preseason? Like, no, not necessarily. And, like, this is nothing against Lieber Hayek. It's just the, the question of consistency and measuring everyone equally you know, or having the same rules apply to everyone, but I don't know, maybe different rules for, you know, a center than a defenseman, but I definitely uh, gives us a lot of questions, Tom. Something that we have no question about is it's time for an ad. There you go. That was a plus transition. I, I really like that, Mike. Thank you. Well done. And uh, yeah, you will just leave some space and we'll be back. Would you have it? Just like that. We're back. Whatever that product is, it is delicious. And very informational if it's, you know, some type of service. But, uh, yeah. Delicious um, and informational. Mike, Tom, I, what's your favorite Thanksgiving food? What is the thing that you get eat too much of on Thanksgiving? Speaking of delicious. Uh, it's always like some sort of dessert type item. Um, really? I, just, I love pie. Uh, I love apple pie. Um... I mean, like, 
I'm more of a dessert person. Um, you know, anyone that's met me in person that wouldn't be a surprise. You know, I, I I like my you know sweets and sugars and all the things that doctors tell you to you know keep in moderation. Um, but yeah, dessert is what does me in. I think I could eat like a quilt-sized thing of turkey skin. Really? I love turkey skin, and I love like I love uh, I just love meat. Like I I don't I have nothing against dessert and sweet things, but if I can have meat, uh, I want it. I always like if it's the one thing where I'm like, oh, you know, maybe I'll finish my green beans. Maybe I'll finish the stuffing. The turkey will get finished. Are you a big sides guy, or like it's just really, eh, what's there I put on my plate? Well, I'm Irish as hell, so I need potatoes. If I don't have potatoes, I kind of wither away. Uh, you know, like my bones, I'm sure, are like 40% potato. So, yeah, but I I just want meat. Like if, if my, if I, if I could survive eating only meat, if I could be strictly a carnivore, I would. Which is tragic, because I also love animals. But... <laughs> They, uh, they are delicious as much as I, you know, I can't, it's one of those things where like, I, I, the thing that hurts me the most is like cow pictures, like baby cows are goddamn adorable. Yeah. I, I try to avoid all of that. Um, and I know I'm a bad person, but you know what? I, I also know that if I don't eat meat, I get very tired. Yeah. Sleepy boy. I need to fall asleep with a, with a chicken drum in my mouth. Drumstick. You like a gravy, Tom? Are you a gravy boy? Nah, not really. I'm. I'm it's. I it's... was. I was not a gravy boy up until, like, in the last three years. Only in my thirties have I become a gravy boy. Hmm. Well, I'm 27, so maybe that'll change when I get into my my thirties. But maybe you'll now... go bald like me too. You got that to look forward to. Although I you would... seem to have a good head of hair, I think you're gonna be good. Yeah, I I've I've often wonder like what it would be like if i if i were bald and you know like obviously it comes down to the shape of your head you need to have a good shaped head mercifully i have a good shaped head but there are some heads out there pretty bad shaped heads you don't want your head to look like an acorn Tom. like an acorn on its side it's like some bad bald guys have that look you don't want that alien head that's no good for anybody you just want a nice nice human head that's good to keep in mind if I, I actually ever... Uh, you could always just, you know, bick it off one day and see how you would do. Do it in the summertime. Keep your head cool. That's not a, not a bad idea. Um, what do you want to talk about next? I mean, obviously, you know, the rules of podcasting sort of dictate that. Honestly, more talk about meat. <laughs> we, we know everything, like, what we're going to go segue into... Um, I mean, we could talk about how Panarin's point scoring streak stopped, and then he's like, oh, I'll just start another one. You know, it's <laughs> like, fuck it. I'll just do it all yeah. myself again. I'll just I'll just keep going with it. Um, I don't know. The Rangers won a game in overtime against Minnesota. We, I guess the Zuccarello – let's talk about the Zuccarello reception, right? I mean – Yeah, it was a um, – I went to the game last night with my, my brother. Oh, you were at the game? I didn't know. Yeah, it was uh, – it was a very uh, interesting thing, just like, you know, you... Bittersweet? Yeah, like you're waiting for um, the tribute to start, and then it was a situation of, you know, people were cheering and clapping, and they weren't dying down at all, 
and then Zook comes off the bench and he skates around and it's just, you know, taking in all of, of uh all of the emotions and it it was it was nice. Um I was trying to think of, you know, what other Rangers have really had that type of return reception in my lifetime. Um, oh, that's a good question. Because and we've like, had the warmest like reception upon a return is a. I don't know. Zook might be tough to goddamn beat, buddy. Because like I'm trying to think of players that were with the team for an extended period. Um, you have because, to be around long enough and loved long enough that you get a tribute in the first place. Right, because obviously like Vlad Nemestikov's not going to get a video tribute. Oh no, because like they really, you know, they like they really didn't recognize. Um, like Shattenkirk over the top, like they did for McDonough, they did for Stepan. Um, you know, it's not like you know. And rightly were... so, I think it was also right of them to do it for Shatty. That was yeah. Um, that was the right thing to do. Because, um... like, I guess if you think all time Rangers, like the one that a lot of people bring up is you know Eddie Jockman's return to the Garden um, when Messier returned to the Garden. With Leech the Canucks, Leach had to have because he did. He was in Toronto, and then he went to Boston. I'm sure he played yeah. against the Rangers sometimes. Right, um, like that. Those must have been big. And then I'm also saying to myself, does like because um, when I was watching um, the tribute, um, the coverage they had on you know Twitter, I think MSG Networks, they did a, like a side by side of um, you know Hank and Net and just why would they do that? I was close to blubbering just watching and i'm thinking to myself after watching that like does hank just look at this reception and say like there's no way i could ever leave and come back oh wow uh, in another another uniform like like this is how this guy was loved like i there's no way i can do this like i'm when i'm done with this team like i'm done with this team and when i come back you know it's it's to get my my jersey retired i mean it's Mm. Just a thought that creeped into my brain because it's almost like if you're a person at a crossroads and um, you see someone else in your shoes, you know, go down a path, it's it sort of makes you reflect and go, you know what, you know, what do I really want? And like, you know, like w- if I were to do this, what would it be like? Um, but it was, yeah, it was, it's a random thing that popped into my brain. I'm wondering if anyone else, you know, watching that was saying to themselves like, could you ever see Hank come back in another uniform and, um, you know, go through that uh, type of reception? Yeah, he has. At the end of the day, Hank has the final say, of course. And the thing I, well, I should say this. I I think Hank is the most beloved Ranger of our, of, of this generation. And probably, the, you know, if not for the, the cup team, he would be, you know, I think he would have his, be as revered as Messier. I really think he's in the pantheon of players who have been that significant to the Rangers, which is pretty special. It's pretty special to hold that that level of respect and admiration, um, you know, while you're still, frankly, he's still one of the best goalies in the game. Like, I keep, you know, I think at the beginning of the season, I was saying, like, he's not one of the, you know, he's, Lundqvist probably isn't one of the 10 best goaltenders in the league anymore, which is a strange thing to say, but... I would have a hard time picking 10 goalies I'd rather have start a game than him. And especially if you factor in the defense that he plays behind. I mean, Hank is still just, he's still Hank, right? Oh, yeah. 
he does have the final say in what happens, but I, I, the thing I was going to say, I'm still really surprised that there is a vocal minority of people who are highly skeptical of Lundquist and his contract. Um, I know that some of it is just trolling. Um, you know, it's, I've only ever really seen it on the Rangers Twitter community and not necessarily at games or, you know, at bars when I watch games there. I don't see people dragging Lundqvist's name through the mud anywhere but behind the anonymity, anonymity of a you know an egg as your avatar on uh, on Twitter. But I mean, it's there. I even with that being there, if if that situation ever that day ever came, that scenario, I think Lundqvist would, would be welcome with open arms, and he should be. And in my head, I was like, if Zuccarello scores in this game, I half expect the Garden to cheer. Because that yeah. was how much he was loved, and that's like the the level of love you felt, even through the broadcast for for Zuccarello. I was, you could tell he was definitely touched by it, which is the right thing to do. It made me proud of uh, of the Garden faithful that they they did the right thing there. Especially like I, thinking back on it, I was just like, you know what? It was not a bad trade. The upside of that trade, the Rangers could have come away with a lot. Of course, they didn't get a lot out of the trade. Um, the thing that I think stings the most about it is that this was not a guy like a Brian Leach situation where he's really, you know, at the very tail end of his career. Like, Matsuko mm-hmm. is going to be a good hockey player. for. He still had more to give. Yeah, he still had more to give, and he went through so much with the Rangers, and he's such a unique story and a unique player. I mean... I don't know, Tom. That was a... Like, I can say without pause that he's my favorite Ranger of all time right now. Like, it's, it's Zuccarello and Lundqvist and Nylander for me are the guys that I've just loved the most. And, I mean, it's... Hank and Zuccarello are kind of a, a dead heat, but it's, at the end of the day, the guy who I love the most is Zuccarello. You could not love Matt Zuccarello. Oh, yeah. And like my takeaway from it, and I sort of deep down thought to myself, just sort of observing everything going on. And obviously there's the, um, you know, the business element of it. There's the, um, you know, the, the direction of the team. But I'm like saying to myself, like, this is a guy who should have retired as a Ranger. Um, yeah. He could have it been. It just feels that that should have been the, the last chapter of his story in the NHL. Yeah. And maybe, maybe. Like it would make me so effing happy if there's an opportunity for for the Rangers to pick him up one day as a free agent, um, for him to like you know finish his career and not just like a oh Matt Zuccarello signs a one day contract sort of a thing. I mean, like a reunion where you know if he's slower, tour. if he's a diminished star from where he is now, if he's only ever on the third line, I would I would cheer for that, like as a guy who could come back and it's not you know i'm sure some people would be like oh you know it'll be a different thing but no just he is that special he was that special to this fan base he's that special to the city i don't know that one will forever hurt of all the trades you know and i often i've, pr- I've really you know been proud of myself for the last couple of years for kind of divorcing myself from fandom and embracing you know being a journalist first and an analyst first but Zuccarello definitely broke that for me. Uh, like, I, I was unable, I was compromised, right? I could not have an emotional reaction to what happened, the trade. I remember I was out 
I think I told the story before. I was out at a Buffalo Wild Wings, and I, I was so distraught that, like, in the middle of my dinner, I just ordered ice cream <laughs> because I just needed I needed something to take my mind off of it. Because if I, like, I knew it was going to happen, right? I was just like, it's going to happen. It'll happen. And then, yeah, Dallas. Um, I don't know, buddy. What else was there to talk about? I mean, I think we covered a lot of different things. There's the Thanksgiving or Black Friday game, right? That's weird. Rangers have a special game, I guess, against Boston, which uh, the team that Mika got hurt against. Let's not put Mika Zivinajad out there, maybe. Um, And Boston, by the way, is, to no one's surprise, is proving to be, you know, one of the best teams in the league, if not, you know, the best. Right now, I think they are 35 points in 23 games, so considering they have games in hand over Washington, uh, they're the best. Um, and that'll be, as always, a big test for the Rangers. Uh, you know, this is a team, it'll be very interesting to me to see how different things are with Mika in the lineup. And I know we already touched on that a whole bunch, but it is going to move guys around. I want to, keeping Strom and Panarin together, I understand why it's being done. Uh, I do, and I do like KZB reunited, but I'm I'm curious about what happens with uh, you know Sabinajad's impact throughout the lineup. Specifically, like how does it change things for Philip Hedl and Brett Howden, right? Um, but yeah, you know there there wasn't too much else to say this week. We had the you know the the call ups and all that, and you know there was some big um, some big news in the NHL recently in, in in regards to some accusations made on Bill Peters. But we're gonna kind of Tom and I talked about it before the show. We might sink our teeth into it next time around when uh, a decision is made by Calgary. Obviously, if any of those things uh, that were said were true and they've already been corroborated, then it's despicable and Bill Peter shouldn't have a job. But uh, Tom and I both agreed we shouldn't talk about it, and uh, I just did. So happy fucking Thanksgiving, Tom. So, yeah, um... Adam yeah. Nahoek, Aiden Gaspar, Alex Gardner, Armel Kistner, Andre Chicagov, Anthony Viola, Arch Williams, Bob Kawa, Bobby Callahan. Can't believe it changed my name for Joe. Captain America, Chris Avivi, Chris Lucas, Chris O'Connor, Clark Carroll, Craig Lachlan, Dan Crozy, Dan Zampard, Daniel DeGen, Danny Santiago, David Elsinger, Eric Cohn, Eric Carlson, Fancy Lawrence, Gabriel Vargas, George Littman, Igor Soslovsky, James Dangles, Jermaine Francis, John Reppy, Jordan Sassone, Keith Rancillo, Matt from Brooklyn, Michael Canick, Michael Marcus, Michael Scott, Michael Silvers, Nikolai Hoffman, Panarin 2020, Patrick Landolt, Sammy Volga, Seidenberg, Stephanie Benvengo, Stieg Vjolbach, Stink Fleeman, Tug I Rob, the Tin Man, Thomas Osa, Tori from Manhattan, and Trevor Kemner. Thank you all very much for all your support. Uh, whether or not you're a patron, we hope you have a lovely Thanksgiving. I'm sure, uh, I mean, technically, we're going to say it again on off the post, but I mean, we can say it twice, right, Tom? Yeah, we can we can say it as you many like times cranberry as we want. sauce. What what was that last bit? You like cranberry sauce, Tom? Nah, not really. Neither do I. I never. I, does cranberry sauce only get consumed on Thanksgiving? It sure feels like it. That's because you don't see any like oh you know what let's have some corn in the summer with some fresh tomatoes and uh, some cranberry sauce. Doesn't happen. Nah, not really. Well, there you go, folks. I want to know, do you eat cranberry sauce not in the fall? And uh, with that, we say goodbye. Goodbye.